Before we dive into this episode, I wanted to let you know about a new guide that I've put together that I reckon you are going to love. If you've ever felt stuck for content ideas for Instagram or social media, then this is for you. I've put together 17 creative content ideas to grow your Instagram and land new clients. This strategic content approach engages your audience, grows your following, and attracts a flood of clients to your business. If you want access, you can get access for free right now. Head on over to mymarketingplaybook.com forward slash creative content and you'll find everything you need to get access to that incredible new guide. All right, let's jump into the episode. Welcome to My Business Playbook, where we pull back the curtain on the steps and missteps of successful people. You'll hear a raw and unfiltered play-by-play of what's worked and what hasn't, giving you helpful advice and insights so you can create an amazing business. I'm your host, Laura Higgins, and this is My Business Playbook. Hello and welcome back to the show. I am so glad that you are joining me today. You are in for a real treat. We're going to be talking about Christmas gifting strategies, as well as hearing the story of one of my friends, Bella Kauke of Honest Paper. Now, the reason I thought it'd be great to have Bella on the show and talk about gifting leading into Christmas is because there is a strategy that is involved in giving good gifts. Now, I don't know if you've done your love languages thing before. You know, you can be gifts, you can be touch, you can be uh, words of affirmation, quality time or acts of service. And personally for me, I feel like I'm kind of all of them except for acts of service. I don't really care about that. But I think I probably fall higher into the gifts part of that spectrum. I love gifts and I hate it when people give crap gifts and I think... There's something really cool about giving a thoughtful gift that someone goes, oh man, that's actually really, they really know me. They really thought about that gift. And earlier in our podcast, I interviewed a guy named John Rulin and he is a gifting expert. And so since then, I've started to think about gifting as a marketing strategy for our business. So rather than just thinking, oh, it's nice to give nice things, we're starting to think about it more strategically. So since then, since that conversation I had with John, I have enlisted Bella and said, hey, you're really good at giving gifts. And she has a beautiful stationery store. So I have been like, can you help me to give great gifts to my clients? And can you just handle that for me? And she is incredible at it. So I wanted to have her on the show to have a conversation about how she started Honest Paper, but also some practical strategies around gifting leading in to Christmas. So let's dive into my conversation with Bella Kauke of Honest Paper. Bella, welcome to the show. It's so good to have you here today. I'm so excited to talk about Honest Paper and your business story. So start off and tell us, what do you do at Honest Paper and how did you start this stationary, glorious place? (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Laura. So good to be here. Um, Thank you for having me. I love your podcast and um, always send people to it when people are starting out with their businesses. So it's got lots of gold in it. So well done. Yeah. So I own Honest Paper. We are a specialty stationery shop based here in Newcastle. 
Um, we have a retail front and a online business as well. And we sell all of the wonderful things that provide um, joy for stationary and uh, stationary enthusiasm. And yeah, we call ourselves stationary enthusiasts. So yeah, um, there's a lot to unpack, but that's a pretty brief synopsis. <laughs> I love it. And so you started with your friend, Gabby, and I'm curious, how how did it come about that you decided, yep, stationery is my my niche? How, how did that work? Yeah, so um, Gab and I are 50-50 business owners, so we both have our own little stories of how we got into stationery. But um, when I was a kid, I was very into gift wrapping. My family's really arty and creative. And so we used to um, put a lot of emphasis on gifting in our family. And I used to wrap my um, presents at Christmas time and think to myself, how awesome would this be if I could be paid to be a gift wrapper? And um, <laughs> I, yeah, for some reason have ended up being a paid gift wrapping expert. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but the honest paper thing started. So I'm a graphic designer by trade and so is Gabby. And um, we both love paper goods and stationery. And um, I truly don't think that we started it to solve a problem or with very much um, thought in mind. We were just like, this is really cool. We started a little cards and paper thing and it went well. And then one day I walked past an empty shop in an empty shopping centre and was like, I could put a stationery shop in there and the rest is history, as they say. Crazy. And what year did you start the shop? Because your shop is based here in Newcastle. What year did you open the first space? We started nearly six years ago now. So yeah, our journey is pretty interesting. Like we basically went into a centre that had absolutely no shops in it. Um, it was in the turnaround phase of um, where it was at. And we were just like really enthusiastic young 20 somethings like I think I was like 25 and Gab's like 21 <laughs> and <laughs> we were just really keen to do it but truly like we had no idea like we had no idea how to run a business run a retail shop I don't think we even knew enough about stationery like we have photos of when we opened and it was so beautiful and aesthetic but we had like 10 products and I do not know how we're still here to this day. <laughs> But it's growing, so you know, like we, we started small yeah. and now we're here. So it's cool. Totally. And so in that journey of starting a, like having a skill set in design and then going, well, I want to, I have this passion for beautiful stationery, beautiful gift wrapping, and I think other people do too. And then that transition from, okay, cool, this is an idea to, oh my gosh, now we have a a shop front, we have to pay bills, we have to keep the lights on, yeah. we have to sell things. <laughs> yeah. How was that journey and what were the things that you learned along the way? Do you, do you have any key things that you're like, oh, my gosh, that was such a big learning through that time of, of starting out? So many things. Uh, honestly, <laughs> we made every single mistake in the book. Like we went backwards for a good solid two years, like really backwards. Like we made every mistake. Like we employed the wrong people. We didn't um, build up a following before opening. We assumed, I don't even think we thought the world needed what we were trying to sell. We just decided that they did. Like we were like, we love this and more people should love this. And I think over time that has become the case. Like 
we've found our people who understand what we're, you know, what we're into. And we've also helped turn people into stationary enthusiasts as well. I have a theory that everyone loves stationary. You just have to find the right kind. But I think, yeah, no, our big learning, we have so many mistakes that we've made. Like we signed a retail lease in a centre with zero experience and zero following and basically had to pay like insane rent for a good two years while making zero money and not even having budgets. Um, yeah, we. I, I can't even like <laughs> put it down to like one thing. Like I can't explain how badly we ran the business for so many years. Like no, no experience, nothing. Like all we had was passion and a really intense desire to do it and that's it. Yeah. And refusal and to so- die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, love I honestly that. think like and that was literally all it was I was like I will not go down in this fight <laughs> <laughs> and so how did you how long did it really take in that in your journey you talk about finding your tribe of people who love totally. the things that you love how, how did that kind of evolve and how long did it take for you to feel because now you have this beautiful kind of cult following how long did it take to get to that point where you now feel like we know what our people want and they buy the things that we we position as like the things that they need (laughs) yeah um I think it took at least three years and I don't think that that's an unreasonable amount of time for a business to take I think we live in a pretty like fast-paced generation you know you click a button on your phone and you've got a um, delivery the next day and so we're very used to um, starting something and it being like an immediate success or like we want something to work or not work within a certain amount of time and I actually think like those three years where we went backwards basically every day or two years that we went backwards and then the third year we started to sort of level out um, they were probably the most important of all of them because we had to prove ourselves to our customer base and we stuck to what we believed as well. And I think, and we also innovated as we went, you know, we were like, okay, so people Mm. are, you know, they wanting to only spend this amount. So we found out that we had to learn who our customer base were. We had to figure out um, what they wanted to spend and what they wanted to take home and how we could slowly increase, you know, their expenditure in like little sales and then in big sales. But I just think the reputation thing counts for so much. Like it took those three years of us being really consistent with what we wanted to provide and being really um, steadfast in the actual products that we wanted to provide. We didn't want to turn into a homeware store. We wanted to be a specialty stationery shop and we had a lot to learn about that. But over those years of just being like, no, we're just going to keep turning up. We're going to keep being what we want to be. We're going to keep, you know, making people smile even in the smallest of ways. Slowly but surely people started to trust us and now we're at the point where we can bring out, you know, a crazy expensive pen and they're just like yeah I definitely know somebody who wants that because they really believe and trust in who we are and what we've done as well so um I think I think that there is a lot to be said for especially our generation Laura of like kind of younger people that sometimes we just need to keep going you know and just sort of stick to it and not really expect an overnight success because that's not been our journey at all and I'm so incredibly proud of where we've come from. Yeah. And I think that's so 
It's so true that becoming known for something and you and Gabby have become known as anything stationary related that isn't, you know, an office works big commercial thing. It's like beautiful, curated, Australian made, like these brands that you kind of go into your store and you're discovering new brands. There's this experience behind it. And I think that the fact that you've stuck to that and really had to, at times I imagine you would have to say no to things that maybe would would be lucrative, right? Have there been opportunities where you've gone, we can't do that because it's not aligned? Absolutely. So one of the things, so a few of our core values when we first opened, just by nature, I think by more who we are than an actual business plan, although um, I would like to say that we had a business plan. It probably wasn't a very good one. Um, (laughs) So some of the things that we really wanted to stick to was um, mostly um, providing Australian-made products and um, smaller brands. So we do have um, bigger brands that we um, stock because they're really great brands and they actually can't be made here because we're not a manufacturing country. Um, So we do have um, those bigger brands that, um, are sort of well more well-known. But over the years, we could have brought in more of those brands, but we've always chosen to support makers and creators. And the really cool thing about that, even though it um, it took its toll over the probably in the initial years where people were like, oh, I don't know this brand or, you know, why should I, you know, support this business because, you know, for whatever reason, they don't know the product very well or they haven't seen it on TV or they haven't seen an influencer provide it. Over the years, we've actually been part of growing other businesses as well. Like some of our closest friends now are people who we started in business with six years ago and we've stocked their brand day in and day out and have provided you know, a really cool wholesale platform for them as well. And we've built these really amazing relationships with people who are doing the same thing of us but in a slightly different field or... Yeah, so I think, yeah, there's definitely been moments where we could have sold out, I guess, or um, changed what we believed to make more money or there's been so many opportunities for us to manufacture our own products offshore. But mm, time and time again, we come back to know the the brand, the things that we design in-house, they get made in Australia. That's the end of it. And, um, yeah, so you have a few setbacks in, in that realm and then, you kind of it kind of wins later when the world suddenly decides that it really cares about sustainability and it really wants to know where things are made and we're over here being like, well, for the last six years, most of our products been made here, um, and yeah. we really have always cared about sustainability and we've always really cared about um, ethics and you know people being paid properly and women in business, all this kind of stuff that when we started wasn't such a big deal and now matters. We're sort of already at the table. Yeah, I love that. And it's already core to your business and how you operate already. So I want to talk about lockdowns because (laughs) you launched a new space uh, in the middle of this year? Yeah, in May. In May. And so then we here in Australia, we went into lockdown. When did we go into lockdown? August? July. Sometime in August. July. July. August maybe, yeah, end of July somewhere. Oh my gosh. So you've run your business through multiple lockdowns. You are a mum. You have an energetic, beautiful four-year-old. Four-year-old? Three-year-old. Yeah, she's nearly five. Oh, she's four. Is she <laughs> no, nearly, she's five? nearly five? Okay. Yeah. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. And then you had yes. a baby in so lockdown last year. Yeah. Yeah. And how, and Noah's what? One. She's one and a half. Yeah. One and a half. Okay. So my question for you, really, I'm just trying to, even thinking about it, listing it off, it's making me feel stressed. How do you manage all of that? <laughs> and how did you, in the, like this response to COVID, to still trying to be a mum like of two, you're working from home, you're doing click and collect, you're adjusting all of the things. How do you manage all of that? <laughs> uh, I don't is the um, very succinct answer. <laughs> You can't. Nobody can. We cannot. We have to take this pressure off, um, this doing yeah. it all thing. You can't. You can have it all, but you cannot do it all. So um, you yeah. have to let go of something. Um, we we play the balance game a lot in our family. We have, yeah, so Zeph's just about to turn five. She'll go to big school next year. And, um, yes, a lockdown baby, that was a whole thing as well last year when we actually didn't know anything about COVID back then. So um, it was a pretty intense time, but we were really lucky to make that um, actually one of probably the most joyful times of our lives as well. Um, really treasured that. I really treasured that time at home with my little family. Um, but, yeah, I think the only way you can really have all of the things that you want is and, you know, manage things like lockdown is just, keep pivoting little pivots and little innovations you know like you you just have to choose and I just do this every day and my husband and I like we wake up each day and we just go okay let's do this you know and we just take little steps forward every day and a couple of you know little steps backwards as well and I I mean everyone is going through a really tough time at the moment like you guys don't have kids and I still feel for you because it sucks. Like life is hard. And I think I try to channel that back into the business. So we've been doing this really cool thing um, at Honest Paper. So we've been sending out, we've moved our entire business online. We opened this incredibly beautiful retail shop in May. We had an architect design it. We like hustled a build to happen in six weeks, five weeks and we opened our store and it was amazing and all my anxieties about opening a really big retail store in a city that everybody told me I shouldn't do was like crazy awesome when we were just like loving ourselves sick. We're like, the, we are so clever <laughs> and like we are just nailing it and finally like after all this time of working so hard, like we've this is happening and people are loving it and this is so wonderful and then bam, lockdown. And um, yeah. the only thing we could do because our business – is a different business to the one that it was last year. We weren't applicable for any grants or anything. So we just basically, Gav and I looked at each other and went, okay, let's do this. Like this is the only way forward. Like we didn't have any options. We couldn't roll over and take a time off or anything. So we just, we, we pivoted and we moved the business online and um, we've been working on our online business for a long time anywhere. And we actually saw huge growth in our online business last year in lockdown. So we kind of just piggybacked off the back of that. Um, but we decided then to just try to transfer the in-store experience to online. And so little things yeah. like um, the way that people talk to us on Instagram about their orders, we try to talk to them the same way that we would in store. Um, when they open, we have this whole thing about delight. So when they receive their parcel, we want them to feel the same feeling that they would feel if they were to visit the shop or at least, you know, a portion of it so that 
when they do finally get out of lockdown, they get to come and visit. They'll be like, oh, you know, this I, I tasted this in my online parcel. So we've been doing, we've been trying to really think about how people are feeling at home and try to, you know, make lockdown a little bit better. So we've introduced this thing called lockdown love notes. And so we've had all of our um, following writing letters to randoms and we've been putting those letters into our parcels alongside our own paraphernalia and our own handwritten notes and that kind of thing but just that idea of being like lockdown sucks but hopefully along with a delicious parcel of you know brilliant goodies here's something from someone who's also doing it tough and you know you're doing a better job than you think you are and I think all those little things add up and that stuff gives me hope and just before this podcast I got a message from somebody on Instagram and they were just like you totally made my day thank you so much and I think that's how you do it all right you just take those little wins and you go okay it's working we just have to keep going and um, as long as there's some joy in it it's worth it. Oh, I love it. And the lockdown love notes thing has been so beautiful to see. And it's, I think the idea of kind of using what's in your hands, you knowing, okay, we're delivering things every single day to people who are stuck at home, just like us. What would it, what would make my day? And how can we do something small that doesn't cost heaps, but is just simple and personalized. And I love that you've you've done that and you executed on it straight away. That's one thing I love about you, Bella, is you have an idea and you're like, I'm just going to go do it and you do it straight away. And it's, like, no. <laughs> it's so good. It appears like that. It appears like that. But no, I, do, I really thought about it for a long time because I am at the stage now where like our business is pretty full on, like packing hundreds of orders in a retail space, you know, paying retail rent, that kind of thing. Like that's been tough but I my heart just I think if I could do just a little something to make someone just feel like their day's worth you know continuing on then I will but I can't do it at my own expense and I can't physically spend all day writing you know things to people or you know I can't afford Mm. to put in freebies for everybody but I can I do have a social media following and I have a social media following of people who love to write and who actually kind of feel the same way as me. And I went to Instagram a couple of times and was like, I want to do something, but I just, I can't work out how to do it without, you know, losing myself in this process. And I think that's a huge thing for, especially women in business. Like we want to do everything. We want to help everybody because um, we know what it feels like to have somebody help us. And, you know, we, we just want to be there for everyone, but we just can't always do that. And so I, I was really proud of this idea because it enabled my, my following to do something. But then as well, I, I, I just know how I would feel if I was, if I'd ordered something from, you know, a small business and I received it and I had my parcel beautifully packaged. And then, then there was this extra little piece of encouragement in there. I think it all adds up, right? It's kind of lame, yeah. to be honest. Like, I, I, it is kind of like I do think it's a bit daggy, but you know, that line from um, The Holiday, I'm looking for corny in my life. I think, like, yeah. <laughs> I think we're looking for corny at the moment. Like, I think everyone's looking for corny. They're looking for a little bit, you know, some sort of delight in, you know, everything that they're doing. So, yeah. sorry, I'm rambling, but it's a real no, thing. I you know, love we're, it. And we're I- human and it's, a, it's like we've yeah. lost so much you know, there's so much that we've lost in being in lockdown and that humanity thing. And if there's a little human touch left, I think we'll be all right. 
Yes. And I love that it's a thoughtful connection. It's not just, oh, we'll chuck in some like stickers or some little freebies. It's actually, it's more thoughtful than that. And, and really giving people just this little glimmer of hope and joy. And it's just lovely. So empowers the person too. Yes. Like the people writing the letters are saying it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And you've kind of crowdsourced to this thing. And I think that's so, (laughs) so good. So I want to talk about some practical advice around gifting because you are, this is what you do day in, day out. You understand the power of a beautifully wrapped gift. And so (laughs) leading into Christmas, I honestly, I'm terrible at gift wrapping. I just now go to you um, or I go to Common Circus and I'm like, guys, can either of you wrap this for me, please? It's not from yeah. here, but I want you to wrap it for me. No, but I think it's it's really great for us to be thinking about leading into Christmas. It's great for us to be thinking about how we as business owners can be gifting in a really thoughtful way. And this is something that mm. you are clearly really great at. So talk to us Thank about you. the power of thoughtful gifting in client relationships. And why do you think we need a strategy for our gifting, particularly leading into Christmas? Simply, I think we have to think about gifting as a human interaction. And yeah. I think you can read and study and, you know, all of the stuff until the cows come home, come home. But at the end of the day, the person who you are giving a gift to is a human. They have feelings and emotions and they're going through tough times as well. And I think if you can gift with that in mind, you're always going to actually care about them and give them something that's important to them. And I, I've heard it said that, you know, personalized things are just the answer to everything. And I think that's true. I think there are times when a personalized gift is the most awesome thing to receive, but the surprise and delight element of a gift but also the human element of a gift, I think, is one of the most powerful things that you can do. And it's not that hard. Like we don't have to wrap exquisitely. The only reason why I wrap exquisitely is because when I receive a gift that's wrapped exquisitely, I feel awesome. Like when somebody hands me something that they've carefully put together or that they've thoughtfully you know, you know, gone, oh, Bella loves this and they've gifted me this thing because I mentioned one time that I was running out of you know, cute mugs or whatever, or I was feeling lilac or whatever. And then somebody gifts me something that actually relates to me, regardless of what it is, I'm going to feel good and I'm going to be so grateful. And then there's a beautiful connection built, right? Like between you and that person, you're never going to forget that moment. Like all of the best gifts in your life, you can remember. And it doesn't become a gift, then it becomes an experience, which then becomes a relationship foundation. And then you know, there's, I just, I think there are lots of hacks and there are lots of tips and tricks and things you can do. But at the end of the day, I think the ultimate tip is who is the person that you're giving this thing to? What do you want them to feel? And if you want them to feel, you know, grateful or, you know, if you want them to feel that you're grateful, then give them something that reminds them of, you know, you or give them something that reminds them of the time that you guys were together. Or I don't know, I, I don't think that there's a blanket one size fits all solution but I think it ultimately like you're never going to go wrong if you're considering the person as a whole human um, yeah. and giving them something that's going to make their heart happy 
To- yeah, I totally agree with that. And so leading into Christmas, if you know, for us, like we like to send out gifts to our clients and, and I think the idea and, you know, just gifting in general to friends and family, one thing, you know, the easy route is to just buy a bottle of wine and write a little card and kind of send it off and see you later. So it's it's really easy to leading into Christmas, you know, everyone's busy, everyone's like frantically trying to buy gifts. And, you know, for so many people listening, we like to give gifts to our clients, to our customers, you know, little things to add value or to let them know that, hey, we really appreciate you. So it's really easy to do the simple, we're just going to get everyone the same thing, just send it off, be done with it. But what do you think, like, is there a better way for business owners to be thinking about and selecting gifts for their clients for Christmas? Yeah, I think that it's a really good question because, like I say, from before, the humans on the end of the of the you know receiving the gift is the most important thing. Yeah, I think you definitely need to think about what you're trying to say. I think giving a bottle of wine not a problem. Wine isn't a great gift. Nobody's ever going to complain about receiving wine. But what wine? Where's the wine come from? How do you present the wine? When do they receive the wine? What comes with the wine? So I love gifting alcohol because. I love receiving alcohol, but I would never just hand somebody a bottle of alcohol. I would add in a customized, you know, or a personalized note or a card. I think if there's one thing I've learned in lockdown is the power of the written word is so amazing. Like when you receive a gift that's generic, the generic gift thing's not really the problem. Like it is if that's all it is, but if the generic gift comes with, you know, a card that says this year has been so crappy and thank you so much for supporting me through this season and giving me hope when I didn't know, you know, what to do and also thank you for blah, blah, blah and um, I think you're a really amazing person. Truly wish you the best through, you know, your Christmas time and hope that you get to have a really great time. I picked this wine from this winery because I love what these guys are doing and, you know, enjoy. Yeah, That is a different experience to you know, thanks for my basic bottle of wine that I've received in the post with absolutely no acknowledgement of what the season is or what's going on, you know? Yeah. And so I, I, I think it doesn't have to be a really well thought out gift. It just needs to be, like I say, a human gift. And going into Christmas, if you want a client to feel like you are the best choice they ever made, like there are clients and there's clients, right? There's one client, same with me, there's customers and then there's other customers. So if I was a, owning a business like you, Laura, and I had a client who had literally tied me over this year, I would put them at the top of my list and I'd be like, I'm going to spend 20% of my energy on you and then 80% broken up between everybody else because I really want this one person who made my year to know that they are incredibly important to me or in the same way that you know in the next year they're going to be incredibly important to you. Like you're running a business, right? We're not talking about your family gifting and, you know, trying to balance everybody's financial needs or whatever. We're talking about relationships and what's going to be best for your business. And so if you want to, you know, at the end of the year, make sure that a client's going to carry over into the new year, then spend your energy on them. Make sure that, you know, they know how important they are to you. What you choose doesn't matter, but how you present it and what you say does. And yeah, does that make sense? I think that makes sense. 
So, so true. And I love that you touched on that because this leads into my next question. Why do you think gifting, and I love that you've kind of kind of broken it up into, okay, who are your best clients? And why wouldn't you go, okay, these people, it's not transactional because we, we want it to be relational. If you can do it in such a way that it isn't, doesn't seem transactional, it's like a, you know, it's like a hug rather than a handshake. Yeah, and it's it's probably more strategic than it is, hey, here's a, you know, we've sent you a pen, it has our branding on it. Like it's that's kind but of a take. This is what I mean. Like the the branded pen thing is cool. I've actually done this before. Yeah. So well, funnily enough, being pens is my thing. <laughs> I like the pen you're holding, by the way. Um so a branded pen is wicked. If it's a mad pen, if it's a pen that they're going to pick up and write with yes. and be like, oh, my goodness, this is the coolest pen I've ever written with. Like I need 10 of these. But they can't get 10 of them because they came from you and you made them awesome and then you made their day through that. So rather than it being like a – that's what I mean by hug rather than a handshake because a, a handshake exchange is like, thanks for doing business. Hope you have a nice Christmas. We'll see you again next year. And a hug gift is like – I have loved doing business with you. I can't wait to next year. Enjoy this awesome thing and, you know, you're the best. Love it. Which changes the transaction from being a, you know, ordinary transaction to an extraordinary transaction of, you know, I don't like sounding waffly with, you know, love and all joy and all that kind of thing. That's not really (laughs) my, like, preferred stance in life but, (laughs) <laughs> I do think it's important for gifting. Yes. Like I really do. I don't think there's any point giving a gift unless you actually want that person to feel good when they receive it. There's, it's going to do nothing. Yeah. I mean, and so when I say weed out who, you know, who isn't important or whatever, I'm not trying to be like, you know, rude or remove anybody from your client list. I'm just trying to say, you know, make the effort with the people who you actually really want to make the effort with and care about and who, you know, is going to turn into. You can't think it's not transactional. It's It, it has to be. Yeah, it's be and really it's, good. it's just got to be. I love the it should be a hug, not a handshake. That's so, so good. So what would be your top tips for a small business owner to send, like who who kind of, because when you're sending gifts, you do a lot of research and you find out these things about about the client, like about the person receiving the gift. How do we as business owners, how do we kind of dig in and, and go, okay, actually, like this person has this hobby that they love. Like how do we kind of do that research? Okay, challenge. <laughs> if you don't already know that about them or you haven't actually had a conversation with them where you sort of understand what's going on in their world a little bit. I think that's where your problem lies. I don't think we need to do research. I think like truly my best customers, I have conversations with them on the regular about their life. I'm like, Hey, you know, is how old is your son these days? Or, you know, where are they, are they starting school next year? Or, Mm. you know, whatever the conversation is, I just think it has to come back to you already know, like your best clients, you would already have had conversations with about what's going on in their world. You would know what they did on the weekend. Like it, it just takes a little bit of listening, I think, and getting to know a human. And if you don't know them to that level, then you're in a different land, which is that you're trying to win them into your life. And then that's a whole different conversation. 
Yeah. So, I mean, you can go to social media, you can hunt. I think that's stalkerish. I don't think it's actually that necessary. I think if you just search in your backlog of conversations with them, you will know what they got up to on the weekend, or you'll know that they just renovated their house or, you know, that they're planning for their son's wedding and, um, or that they love, you know, something, some color or some random thing. I, I don't think it needs to be as complicated yeah. as I would like it to be. Like, I'd love there to be like a crazy business in this, but I just, I, if there's anything I would want corporates to do more is just consider the person more and, and just take a second to take stock. I just recently did quite a big um, corporate gifting order for a client and their only brief was our staff are at home in lockdown and it sucks for them. Yeah. How do we make it better? Yeah. And we didn't have to go through the list and find out what each individual person liked or what was going on. We had a purpose for the gift. So what did we do? We did um, we did a little like note panning plant note planning pad for their desk because they're all sitting at home in at the computer in meetings so they're probably going to need that add that to a nice biro and a nice pencil some really nice locally sourced chocolate some coffee oh what type of coffee do you give them how do you make sure that it's ground properly well let's just give them filter because worst case everybody's got um, everybody's got a plunger like worst case they can use it in a plunger or gift it back on again or you know like I just think if you have a purpose for the gift you want them to enjoy their Christmas, send them something Christmassy or I don't know. Yeah. I think if, if you're talking about three or four people, then think about the conversations you've had with them. If you're talking about a bulk situation, then choose a really great gift for all of them that you think is amazing and they have to know about. One of my clients just sends whiskey that he loves to other clients because he talks to them about how much he loves whiskey and he, he doesn't know if they're going to love it or not but he loves it and he wants them <laughs> to know that. how wonderful it is and you know because he's passionate about it they'll probably enjoy it because he actually cares about whether or not they like the whiskey so I don't know yeah. I just I think if it there's probably two different realms if it's just a small amount of gifts then take each person and just rack your brain think what did we talk about like wh- what's going on where are they on there are they in lockdown if they're in lockdown send them a puzzle send them something to do in lockdown if they're not in you know I think it's it just takes a little bit of effort but it's actually quite easy and then add in my elements of a really good gift are the, real, the gift itself, which doesn't have to be crazy expensive. Sometimes it's just something thoughtful. I love to give pens because people never buy good pens for themselves. And when they have a really good pen, then they realize that they love pens and then they need to write all the time. And when people write, they feel better and all those things. But when you have the gift and then you add it, wrap it nicely, present it nicely, put a little bit of care into it, add a note, handwritten note, add so much effort to it. I make my clients handwrite notes even when they're doing corporate gifting. I make them do it because it's important and because it matters to the person receiving it. Yeah. Like if you receive that, at the end of the day, how do you want to feel when you get this gift? If you're going to yeah. feel awesome, it's highly likely that your client or your customer is going to love it as well. Oh, I love it. So many good tips. That's really, really, really <laughs> Sorry. Helpful. I get really passionate about this stuff. <laughs> but, I, you know, it, it took me many years and customers would come in and say you're so good at this how do you guys do this you need to teach us how to do this and I didn't realize that this was something that my parent, my mom had taught me and you know that I'd grown up with this and it was came so naturally to me and so many people just feel you know so overwhelmed by it and I just think let's just share the information around yeah 
because at the end of the day, you're going to have a lot of happy people. Yes, it's good. It's really, <laughs> really good. All right. I want to finish up with some rapid fire questions for you, Bella, because Ooh. yeah, this is this, you know, truth be told, these rapid fire questions always end up not being very rapid, but we're going to keep them. We're going to keep them rapid. Yeah. It's going to be good. Let's try anyway. <laughs> All right. Finish this sentence. Success looks like. Success looks like. I don't think that there's any point where success is success. I think success is ongoing. I think that you have little success goals throughout your life. And at the moment, success for me is just getting through lockdown. And then in three months time, success will be something else. I think success is always evolving. And for me, my ultimate life sort of um, goal that I sort of generalize over everything is if I am enjoying it and there is, you know, something awesome in everything that I'm doing in, in all the areas, you know, in personal, in business, in family and all that kind of thing, then it's good. And that's probably success for me is, you know, enjoying what I'm doing, um, being, you know, happy to wake up each day and keep going and um, feeling like I'm doing something important. So good. Okay, one thing small business owners need to stop doing today. Oh, that is the best question. I have so many things. <laughs> What's your top probably, thing? I think my number one thing would be stop wasting time on campaigns and things that you won't actually be very productive for you. Yeah. Um, I see small businesses doing this all the time. They, you know, have meetings and they plan things and they have like this whole, you know, investment of time into something that's going to get them three customers. And I just don't think, I don't think it's worth it. I think you can, you learn this the longer you go with business, but um, the less, if, the, if, you, if there's not a good fruit out of it, then there's literally no point. Yeah doing it like you're just wasting time and you can spend your time on other things and probably the number two thing is obsessing over doing everything yourself um one of the best things I ever did was get a, a, a bookkeeper it was a very low cost investment for me and I was so intense on making sure that I was on top of everything and I was working really hard and making sure I was earning all my money and it's just not it's not worth it. We need to learn how to let go of things so that we can grow in other areas. And if you don't work on your business, nobody else will. Oh, so good. Okay. Final question. What has been the most valuable investment you have made in your business? The best thing Gab and I ever did was invest into ourselves on a time element. Our entire business changed when we started working together on the business. We used to cut costs um to like we used to try to cut costs by us working opposite days of the week and then once we um we employed somebody and then we started putting ourselves on together at the shop on the same days um we actually started seeing growth in our business because we had time to um inspire each other and um work on things together and i can honestly i can remember the time when we started doing that and we were like this is this is awesome. Like we are able to design, we're able to, you know, plan, we're able to budget, we're able to do all the things that we needed to do that we could just couldn't do apart. And that investment of one day's wage was what changed everything. That is such a good point. I, that's really, really helpful. <laughs> so good. Well, Bella, thank you so, so much for joining us. I feel like we've talked about all of the things today and it's really 
really cool. And I hope that everyone listening, that you feel excited about gifting and excited and that you have some ideas around how you can do gifting this Christmas season really well. So head on over to our show notes and we've got a link to Honest Paper. They have all of your gifting and wrapping needs sorted. And where actually can people follow you? I know that you're on Instagram and TikTok. Where's the best place for people to find you, Bella? We are on all of the social media platforms. Um, probably the one that we hang out on most is Instagram at Honest Paper. And we quite like TikTok too. So come say hi. That's a conversation for another day, how powerful <laughs> TikTok is for the old business. Um, yeah, honestpaper.com.au or if you're interested in um, big corporate things or some corporate gifting, then daymaker.com.au as well is our new little sister business. And yeah, thanks so much, Laura, for having me. It's been so fun talking um, all of the deep things of gifting and um, learning how to make people's days. <laughs> you're the best. You are amazing. Thanks so much, Bella. See you later. Woo. Well, there you have it. That is the play-by-play for this week. I hope that you enjoyed that conversation with Bella and I hope that you feel inspired in your gifting this Christmas season. As always, I love it when you share where you're listening to this from. I love it when you share this with your business buddies. So please share it far and wide. And music from today is by the wonderful Jake Scott. As always, you can find him on Spotify or Apple Music or any one of those streaming platforms that keeps cropping up out of nowhere. (laughs) Listen wherever you can. I'll see you back here same time, same place next week. But in the meantime, go get them. (laughs) 